Welcome to Giraffe Tango Octopus, Freedom for Humans with Kirsten Johansson. Kirsten and her guests are here to help you stop struggling with your own self-acceptance and teach you how to love yourself unconditionally. Now, here's Kirsten. Welcome to Freedom for Humans, where we talk about the ways in which we as humans can free ourselves from suffering by practicing unconditional love, acceptance, and compassion for ourselves. I'm Kirsten Johansson, your host. Okay, so I'm doing a little series on travel and international living. So last week I did a show on travel, which is ultimately what uh, sparked the dream to live internationally. And so um, I do recommend traveling. If you are thinking, oh, I'd really love to live in another country and you haven't done much travel, do that travel, just start doing it because you will learn so much about yourself and about how you like to travel and what you like and what countries speak to you, move you, awe you, uh, maybe repel you. You never know. Um, I haven't been very many places that I didn't like. Um, uh, There's a couple. Um, There's a couple, maybe really one or two that weren't really for me. Um, So that's okay. That's good information to have. Um, so yeah, so last week is, uh, on travel. If you haven't checked that out, you might enjoy that. If that's an interest of yours, uh, when I'm out and about, I, I do get a lot of questions about that. Uh, when I just talk about my life in general, people are typically really interested in the travel and the international living. So that's why I'm doing these. Um, okay. So, um, after all that travel had occurred, that was the inception of the dream to live internationally. So I'm not going to go back into that. I did I did that pretty extensively last week. And so that is how that dream arose. And I carried that dream with me for a long time, at least a decade, more than a decade, I carried that dream. And so um, how did this come about? So, okay. So one of the things I covered at the end of the last show was this idea that I wanted to do what I'm doing. I wanted to live, I thought, part of the time in the US and part of the time in another country or maybe two other countries. I toyed with maybe doing a kind of a four-month, four-month, four-month thing. Um, and so who knows? I don't know what what the future will ho- hold. Uh, right now, I'm part, part of the time in the US and I'm part of the time in Malta. Now, as I was carrying that dream, I had attached it to retirement. And so I was fixated I was fixated on getting to retirement and, you know, saving enough money and how was I going to save enough money and how was I going to accumulate enough and all this stuff so that when I retired, I could live this life, this life that I really wanted to live. And um, through an interaction with a friend, again, I won't go into a lot of detail here, but through an interaction with a a friend and a tarot reading that was really eye-opening for me. I began to realize that um, waiting until later, waiting until retirement, putting off a, a, a dream that could actually be a reality until then was not advisable. My dad passed when he was 56. I think that that does something to a person. I think my brother and I both feel like when and if we cross 57, like <laughs> we will have really kind of accomplished something um, because it it reminds you that here today, sometimes gone tomorrow. And so that reading really brought that into clarity for me 
So what happened um, that brought me here was, again, a series of events that when they're happening, you don't necessarily know that this is where they're leading, which is why it's incredibly important to detach yourself from outcome. Because when you're fixated on the outcome of something, you miss not just the enjoyment of the process, and also it, it creates a sort of an evaluation or a judgment about, you know, is what's happening? Does it match the outcome I want? Is it on the right path to the outcome I want? You know, it, it's very limiting. It narrows everything and it's limiting and it has a tendency to make something that is just a normal thing, normal happening or experience that is perhaps unforeseen or unplanned feel like some sort of a failure or some sort of sign that you should not be doing what you're doing just because the outcome you thought you wanted or you thought was going to happen is not happening. So um, do divorce yourself, I guess I'll say divorce yourself from outcome. Keep your vision intact. It's, it's, it's important to manifest, I believe to manifest or envision what you want or what you believe you want, but then hold it in an open hand and listen to yourself all the time. Your spirit, your body, they constantly give you information. We, we struggle most of us to listen to them because we have noise in our brains and we have sensations going on in our bodies that our brains are trying to um, explain. And we have this uh, inner critic that tells us that things are, are not as they are meant to be that they should be different. It does that all the time, regardless of what's going on. It tells you things should, should totally be different from what they are, which <laughs> that's an impossibility. It's an impossibility in this moment that we're in right now, things are. And so believing they should be different, feeling like they should be different, applying a, an evaluation or a judgment to them it really just kind of craps on this moment, which is really perfectly fine. It doesn't mean everything is, <laughs> doesn't mean everything is exactly what you want to, it to be, but that right there is the key. Um, it's uh, what does Cher Huber say? She says, um, don't, uh, let's see, what does she say? She says, don't focus on getting what you want. Focus on wanting what you get. And that is really what this is about, Um, particularly when you're starting something new and holding the outcome in an open hand. Okay. So what happened was I found myself in, in my job still, and it was a job that I loved and I had no plans to leave that job. I thought that I would retire there. Um, I had sort of a plan uh, for how that might happen. And, um, you know, I had promoted and my salary had gradually built over the years. And I was putting, you know, as much as I could in retirement and building up some savings, all the things right now I was doing that primarily because I wanted to eventually retire and live this life. Um, and, and I was also doing some fun stuff, um, with that, you know, with the money I was making, but, but when I would, you know, check my accounts and think about, you know, the future, it was really about, okay, well, what do I need to do to get there? How can I get there? Okay. Well, I found myself, um, no longer belonging in my job. And as I mentioned on last week's show, a sense of belonging, even when you're in a foreign country in a completely different culture, 
What I am after typically is a sense of awe and a sense of belonging. It's pretty magical uh, when I feel that, when, when I feel that sense of things in a completely different culture where I don't have any idea what's really going on, but I also feel a sense of belonging. That's awesome. So when I started to not belong anymore at my job, which was, you know, in some ways a second family to me, I'd been there almost 17 years. Um, and I left it, I did leave, um, relatively abruptly because when that happened to me, it was pretty painful. And I knew that staying, trying to stay working out a long notice was not only going to cause me suffering, but if I was suffering, I was going to inadvertently cause other people around me to suffer. And I had a relatively high level um, leadership position. And, you know, that I knew that I would have impact on others, that I would have influence on others. And I was, I was suffering, um, in a way that I knew that, that, um, it could almost sort of tarnish all that I had put in and contributed because I really loved the work that I did there. And I loved the organization and and the mission of the organization. So I left that job and, you know, I was pretty, my, my, I was in a bit of a spin, my head was spinning and I didn't know what I was going to do. And I did something similar to what I uh, mentioned in the last week's show on travel, um, which is that I took some time and I, and you know, on that, on last week's show, I was on unemployment. I had been laid off and I was collecting unemployment and um, looking for work. And in the course of that time, I, I took a road trip and it, and it really allowed me to connect with myself. And out of that road trip, I, I decided to open a tattoo and body piercing studio. And I had been running a, a chemical dependency treatment center prior to that. So just to give you an idea of the the vast difference between what I was doing prior and what I decided to do after that road trip. So I did something similar this time. Um, I didn't take a road trip um, because COVID, <laughs> COVID was going on. I left in the middle of, of COVID, left my job. Um, but I did take some time where I, I used more discipline really to keep myself from being drawn into the job market. And, you know, and what I mean by that is looking at job postings and getting involved in those job postings and spending time doing that. I knew that that was probably not the path for me. I had a sense that I really wanted to do something different and it took some time for me to determine what I wanted to do, which is what I'm doing. Um, I wanted to write. I wanted to tell stories using my voice and I wanted to help other people um, with my, my various life experiences. So that's what I'm, that's what I'm actually doing. I'm building a business doing those things. Um, And I only knew that because I gave myself the time and space to know that, but I also did the tremendous work to silence my inner critic, to exit self-hate, to accept myself unconditionally and to care, (laughs) to care 100% about myself and what I wanted in life. Nobody will give you what you really want. Nobody, they can't, they can't know it, nor can they give it to you. Only you can know it. And only you can really make it happen. So I ended up letting go of my condo and everything in it. Now, again, 
I had just bought it uh, in 2019. Not, not the time to turn a property over. Okay. But that really wasn't the point. The point was no longer, how can I make every financial decision that's supposed to be done the right way and this way to build wealth so I can have the life I want? I don't know how many years in the future, 10, 15, I have no idea how many years in the future it would have been for me to do all those things so that I could have, you know, quote, unquote, the life that I want. Um, So after I went to Malta uh, in February of 22, I spent a month there. I felt drawn there. I had been on my list for a long time and I didn't go there with my, with my travel companion. Um, I didn't pop over, you know, a lot of times people pop over from Italy or Spain or something like that. I didn't do that. I just left it. And um, so there it was. And I had, I had greased my joints. My tin man joints had gotten creaky from the pandemic and not traveling and not socializing. And so I greased up those joints by going to Belize and it was, it was wonderful and awesome. And I gained my confidence and had a, just a fantastic experience, not because everything went perfectly. Cause it really didn't, there were all kinds of little snafus and working through them with the help of the local people there was, it was wonderful. It was one of my favorite trips, really a quick one, uh, but, a, but a favorite trip. And it was my first solo international trip. And so I got home and immediately I knew that I was really going to start this, this business that I'm currently doing. I really knew that I was going to start it in earnest. And so I thought, well, I wonder if I should get to Malta because once I start, maybe it'll be hard for me to travel. And I don't know really what's in store for me or what's in store financially. And, and which I still don't know, honestly. Um, and so I booked a month, I booked a month in Malta in February, which is same season. So winter. Um, low season, not the tourist season. You know, I wouldn't be there in in summer or when the weather was, you know, kind of perfect. Although um, Malta is known for having some of the best weather in the world. It's it's in the Mediterranean, and so we're talking about when we're talking about winter there. We're talking about Mediterranean winter, so it's chilly. It's chilly and windy, and there's also just quite a bit of sun, and you have the beauty of the blue sky and the sea, and uh, so you know it's winter, but it's not the same kind of winter that I would experience, for instance, here in the Northwest where um, it's pretty gray, you know, for lots of days in a row. <clears throat> so I went, I, I had awe, I had belonging. I did meet someone. Um, I met a man, um, a Turkish gentleman. And I really, not only did I want to go back to Malta, I also wanted to be near him. I was excited to uh, be near him. And so when I got back, I decided to let that condo go. And I love that place. Um, I nicknamed it the octopus's garden and, and it was beautiful. And I just decorated it to within an inch of its life. It was really, it was really welcoming and, and it was my spot it really, you know, reflected me. And so it wasn't that I didn't like it. I just, it was no longer for me. That's kind of where I land when I need to make a change. I don't need to crap on the thing. In order to say, well, this thing's not for me because it's this crap and crap and crap and crap. I can just say, you know, it's not for me or it used to be for me and it's no longer for me. So I came back. I saw that it was no longer for me. I wanted to, I wanted to pull the trigger on this whole uh, shenanigan that I'm doing. And so I put it on the market and here's the, okay, here's one of the things that can happen. 
And when I, so when I talk about holding things in an, in an open hand, holding outcomes in an open hand, and also not letting something that doesn't go the way you expect or the way you want it to go, not letting that extinguish your dream or extinguish your uh, momentum or your planning. My condo did not sell. The war had just started in Ukraine and that seemed like a tipping point. I mean, things were already obviously uh, because of the pandemic, the economy was starting to shift, but that war um, and what it did to a number of things really changed the market that I was in. So I was in the downtown, you know, urban condo market in Seattle and people were working from home and nobody really wanted to come back to the office and prices were starting to go wonky and, you know, interest rates were going to, we're going to start to change as we've all seen. And I felt it, I felt it in my body. And I said to uh, Olga, my, my agent, I said, I I feel like we got to get this done as quick as we can. And so I did all the right things. I vacated it. Um, I undid all of my decor, which was, you know, look like a modern art gallery, a super colorful modern art gallery is kind of what it looked like. And, you know, I took the advice that most of us get, uh, I had it painted, I had it staged. That was all relatively expensive for me, but I was really motivated and, and I was ready to let go. I was ready to let go. Well, it just didn't go. So I rented it. Um, and I was only getting about half of what it cost me every month in rent. So that's been a challenge over this last year and my renter's uh, lease was renewing. And so I was sort of poking around there, you know, what, what, what is the plan? What is the plan? And he's vacating. And so it's going back on the market and it's a little bit different situation. And, you know, it's really not about making money. It's about, uh, cause that, that ship has sailed. It's about freeing myself from the debt of the mortgage and the monthly expense, which is substantial. It's almost 5,000 US dollars every month um, in mortgage and HOAs. It's a, it's a downtown condo. So that's what it is. And um, that is not without stress. Okay. So I do all the things that I talk about with you all to manage that stress. And it's still pretty stressful to have a $5,000 a month um, obligation that you know, barely half of that is covered by rent. Um, and so I am uh, crossing my fingers that we will get a buyer this time. And I have a backup plan. If we don't, that will allow me to walk away. Um, I will most likely not w- walk away with any, with even one us dollar. And um, that's okay. Uh, cause I, I'm, I'm needing to walk away cause it's just, uh, not for me anymore. And it is tethering me in a way to an old life. And so that's the other thing that I guess I want to just call out here is that there are going to be times if you embark on something like this or just a, something really big where the finances don't, what don't pencil out. And when I say pencil out, I just mean they don't check all the boxes of how one um, you know, manages an investment or gets the equity out of their investment. Sometimes it's not about that. Now, those things were important to me. And in some ways they're still important to me, but, but when you run up against a, this or that situation, um, you know, I can do all the things to try to maintain the investment and, you know, check all the boxes on what one does uh, with their property to, you know, get more equity, blah, blah, or I can just get out. So, um, 
I'm going to just get out. So I ended up calling my mom and saying, well, uh, and this is before I even knew that the condo wasn't going to sell, but it was being put on the market and I vacated it because I wanted it to go. I just wanted it to be like turnkey ready to move into. Right. And so I ended up calling my mom and saying, um, Hey, so kind of a big question and no pressure to answer it on the phone. Please take some time to think about it if you need to. But I was wondering if I could live with you for a few months while I manage through this condo sale and get ready to uh, go to Malta. Because at the time, I thought that I would maybe be able to maybe move there in a way that was a little bit more permanent than what I have actually experienced. So again, hold the outcome in an open hand. So she, uh, gratefully, thankfully, uh, great. I am grateful that she said yes. And, um, you know, if, if I hadn't encountered a situation where I needed a place to stay and I could not, I could not spend money on additional rent given what was going on. I couldn't, I, I couldn't commit that. I mean, it would have kept me really from being able to do this. Um, So not only do I have a a wonderful, generous mom who has a house that is perfectly set up for me to have a room and a bathroom and a little office from which to do my work and to make this show. So that's, that's fantastic. But I'm getting to spend time with my mom that I would never have gotten to spend. I left at 17 and went to college. I never really came back. We hadn't lived together since then. I'm coming back at 52 and, you know, we're friends and we do stuff together. She does a lot of stuff, you know, on her own. We eat together. We eat separately. We watch stuff together. We watch stuff separately. We enjoy each other's company we don't have conflict. We've never really had conflict where, you know, we're, we love each other. I mean, that's, that's the bottom line. We love each other and respect each other and have a similar way of, um, uh, how would I describe it of taking another person into account, um, and, and, um, being respectful of the other person and wanting, you know, the best for the other person, I guess. And so I just did a show earlier today with Don Azevedo, pardon me. And he talked about the qualities of friendship. And I kind of was like really struck by them. And I immediately started not to think about the qualities of my friends, but to think about my own qualities and whether I'm a good friend. And um, those things that he mentioned are absolutely present here between uh, my mom and I. And so I think that's part of what makes being here you know, a wonderful experience. And also I am absolutely aware, you know, my mom just turned 80, not too long ago. I'm absolutely aware that, you know, we're not here forever and that, that I could never in a million years have had the experience that I'm having with her, the closeness, the, the deepening of our relationship without getting this opportunity to live here with her in this beautiful place. So again, I would never have known that I've always been fiercely, fiercely to my own detriment, independent and not someone who 
tended to to receive help or accept it when it was offered and certainly not somebody who ever wanted to ask for it. So, you know, that I'm not that person anymore and calling to ask for that help, being given the help and then experiencing the amazing joy and gifts that are coming from it. Um, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have been able to, um, even conceive of that had I been kind of in that old paradigm of, I have to do everything by myself for myself and, um, and just tell you about it afterwards. Cause I'm not going to let you help me. I'm not going to tell you that I'm struggling with something or that I need anything. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't want to live that way anymore. So, so right now I'm just, before we take a quick break, I spend, um, because I don't have a residence permit yet. And I'm going to get into that in the next segment. I spend three months here with my mom and then I spend three months in Malta. And when my days run out, I come back and I spend three months with my mom. Uh, best of both worlds. You are listening to Freedom for Humans and we will be right back. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Are you tired of overeating, overspending, drinking too much, or being in relationships that drain you? Do you have invasive thoughts that make you feel bad about yourself and your life? Do you keep pushing yourself to the next goal only to find that it doesn't bring you happiness? You don't have to live this way. You can live a life of well-deserved freedom and happiness. Coach Kirsten Johansson is here to guide you. Book your free discovery session today at GiraffeTangoOctopus.com. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Giraffe Tango Octopus, Freedom for Humans. Have your own story or have questions for Kirsten or her guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5788. That's 866-472-5788. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Freedom for Humans. This is Kirsten, your host, and I'm telling you about my international living experience, which is very much... Uh, ongoing, active, in process, building the plane while I fly it, not all figured out, holding everything in an open hand, um, case in point. Okay. So I, I moved to Malta or, or partly part of the time. Um, ultimately, I guess it was June of last year. And I spent time there with my partner. We rented an apartment together. And in, um, I hit my months mixed up, I guess it was April, um, this last April that just passed where I had to make the difficult decision to leave that relationship, which also meant leaving the apartment, 
um, and moving out and finding a place for my things and then figuring out where I was going to come back to when I came back to Malta. Because for me, um, one of the practical issues is a vacation rental in Malta that would be appropriate for me, comfortable for me, where I could live and work. I need to work. Um, it would be exorbitantly expensive. And so it is much better for me to rent a property, even though I'm paying that rent while I'm here in the U S when you do the math on it, it doesn't, it doesn't even come close. It, it does not even come close. Um, so paying that rent when I'm not there is vastly, vastly less expensive than trying to find a three month place to stay. And then another three month place to stay. And also just the logistics and the effort of finding that place um, from the US really because you know you need to be able to pull the trigger. They're not going to hold anything for you. So you would, you know, I would need to be doing that from the US every time. So there's a variety of reasons that I just maintain uh, a property there. So I had, uh, you know, I was kind of in a fix and I wasn't really sure what I was going to do. And I spoke to a friend and he offered me um, a, a very nice low rent for an apartment that was not ready to live in. It, it needed some work. He, he and his family really were going to sell it and they didn't have a, a renter in it at the time, but you know, he wanted to help me and it seemed like a, it seemed like a good arrangement. It was clearly temporary, but it seemed like it was not temporary in a way that was going to be problematic. And mm, two days ago, or maybe three days ago, I guess now, he let me know that he had found a buyer and that it was going to be sold and that I could not return to that apartment. So that was um, stressful, of course. Um, so I've, I've had a few days of managing my, my physical body and the discomfort in it and my thoughts and um, the spinning that happens and the door being cracked open and self-hate coming in and, and crapping on me. But me knowing that it was doing that and coming back to the compassionate truth of the situation, which is that I just need to find a new place to live in Malta. That's it. That's it. And you don't get mired in resentment, regret, recrimination, worry, fear, all the things that can come with unexpected news that is of a nature that you initially believe is not desirable. Um, all those things can happen. So they happened to me. And thankfully, I was aware of them. And I just went to work. I went to work on it. And I did all the things that I know how to do, having been through renting a property. I've, I've gained a lot of knowledge since I've been going back and forth and seeing the process of renting, the process of finding what it means to rent through an agent versus not an agent, the additional fees versus going directly through a landlord, all that stuff I had picked up from the rental process that was mostly managed by my partner, Erdogan. Um, I was, I was, um, adjacent to it. And sometimes I would get involved in it and he would say, you don't understand how things work here. And he, he was right. And it really did help for me to acknowledge that I didn't know and to step back and, and watch and take it in, which I did. So I walked into this with, you know, yes, I was stressed, but I walked into it with a certain level of confidence that I wouldn't have had, had I not had those prior rental experiences there. <clears throat> So what was the outcome? I was, I thought I wanted to go back to the original uh, city town that I had stayed in when I first arrived there. It is gorgeous. 
There are things about it that I absolutely love. And so I was looking specifically there. It is the second least expensive place to live in Malta also, because it's at the far end of the big island of Malta. So not in the center, which makes it a little bit less expensive. Wasn't having, you know, a ton of luck in terms of responses. And so I just kept at it and I did use the agency contacts, but I also used Facebook marketplace because I had watched Erdogan um, use that. And I saw how much that's used in Malta. So even though that's not um, something I typically use, that's what I used. And that's how I ended up finding the place that I found, which not only was it not in Marzascala, which is the um, town that I, you know, thought that I really wanted to live in. And yes, there are some wonderful reasons to live there. It was actually on the small island of Gozo. So there's the bigger island of Malta. And then there's a 25 minute ferry that goes to the smaller island of Gozo. Now I can live anywhere. That's the whole point. The whole point of figuring out what you can do from anywhere and then going ahead and going somewhere or anywhere and figuring it all out is that now I, I, I don't have to live in a particular town. Now, when I was still with Erdogan, he, he really needed to live in close proximity to where he worked because he needed to have access to the bus. And so we were limited. We could only consider certain towns, which were sometimes the more expensive places. We really had to consider the buses and how, how long it would take him to get back, back and forth to work because the bus really was pretty exhausting for him. But I'm solo. So here's the, you know, here's the upshot of being solo. I can live anywhere because I work from home. And so this little studio on Gozo is so cute. It's just decorated so nice. And in Malta, when you rent um, through a kind of a formal rental process, it's furnished. And when I say furnished, I mean with everything, dishes, silverware, housewares, you know, usually some cleaning tools, just everything. It's all there. And so that's also one of the fun things about Malta is that when I'm, you know, needing to move from one place to the other, I'm not moving um, furniture and things like that. And although I learned, um, as I mentioned last week from that trip to Cambodia where my, my luggage got lost, I learned to travel light. I, I'll just tell you, I brought way too much stuff to Malta the first time I went because I had this idea that I was going to get the residence permit quickly and that I was just going to be able to stay there for the vast majority of my time. And I just had this idea that I had to bring my stuff. Well, I didn't, I didn't need to bring my stuff, but now it's there. So, you know, I'm left kind of toting it around. That's a live and learn kind of experience. So I would say, you know, you need much less than you think. And if you're, if you're pondering this type of lifestyle and this type of lifestyle change, when I got out of my condo, I ended up having to, um, for at least the second time in my life, completely liquidate my possessions. So I did that before uh, with a big house. Um, I had a estate sale, so I didn't actually do it hands-on with my condo with the HOA and the access, it was downtown. There's no parking doing an estate situation. I didn't have time based on the timeline that I wanted to accomplish, but also it just was not going to be really possible. So I needed to do it hands-on and 
what I learned and I did not, I did not enjoy that. I don't, I, I'm not that, uh, I don't have much practice at selling things, selling my stuff. I know some people do that and they do great. They do great. And it's very natural for them. It's not natural for me. And so it was difficult and uncomfortable. And here's what came out of that though. I had to put my hands on every single thing that I owned and by getting rid of everything, it really brought into focus what I truly need, which isn't much. And, and if you are going to accumulate, you're going to have to spend a certain amount of time, energy, and resources managing your things, your stuff. And I have accumulated a lot of stuff over my life, accumulated it, let it go, accumulated it, let it go, accumulated it, purged, etc. And I, you know, I don't know the future, but I, I'm pretty well done with that. Having to put my hands on every single thing I owned and either sell it for a pittance of what I paid or have people give it stink face, even though it's a beautiful thing that I paid many thousands of dollars for. I mean, you know what it's like to sell stuff and, um, or just to, to give it away when the guys came, um, to take all that, that I hadn't been able to sell. They kept looking at me wide-eyed. You want us to take all this? Yes. Are you sure you want? Yes. Hey, we found some nice jewelry. We were wondering if this was a mistake. Nope. At a certain point, I just had to call it and let some stuff go. I've been toting around for decades because it was nice or it had some value. But what is that value really? If it doesn't have actual value to you, then I don't know that the value really matters. Certainly get something out of it if you can. Um, but, but I guess be aware if you feel particularly tied to your things and you are considering this type of life and letting go of my things, um, it's, it's been a wonderful shift away from being tethered to possessions and also being compelled to accumulate things. I have been an accumulator of things as a form of anesthesia in my life. And so I had gotten at that to some degree prior, but I have really gotten at it now because it ceases to hold any value. And when I am accumulating, buying something, um, I'm aware now of what I'm doing. Do I need this thing? Do I want this thing? Am I, uh, am I soothing something in myself by buying this little thing off of Amazon or whatever? Uh, so I'm aware of it and I do very little of it um, anymore because I don't want to spend my time, energy, and resources managing my things. I want to spend my time, energy, and resources doing meaningful things, things that are meaningful to me, uh, that are tied to my purpose, and I want to travel. I want to live outside the country. And Malta is, um, if, you, if you're not familiar with Malta, you're in good company. Lots of people aren't. It's a small island off the coast of Italy, and it sits in the Mediterranean Sea between Italy, you know, the coast of Europe um, and Africa. And it's just surrounded by countless countries for me to go and visit from the little island of Malta. So not only do I love it there and do I find it fascinating, um, but it also is wonderfully positioned for me to do the thing that I love, which is to travel and experience other cultures. 
Um, so <clears throat> you might feel blue if you, uh, you know, become a nomad, uh, uh, for instance, so some people just choose to be nomads and they pick a new place every time. Uh, you might want to do something similar to what I'm doing. In either case, you might feel blue at first when you arrive at your new place, even though you're excited to be there and you're realizing your dream. For me, it takes a couple of weeks to adjust to the different life, the country, the culture, the food, the weather, and in some ways, the isolation. So when I'm there, it, I'm still relatively isolated because I haven't built up a social circle uh, just yet. And now I'm in a completely different area. So I was reflecting on the fact that I guess that's okay because now I've gotten this just little apartment that just looks, I don't know, just looks like it's for me. And um, I'm looking forward to potentially, you know, just feeling hopefully after the little blue adjustment period, which I now know to expect, um, you know, just feeling pretty excited to be there. And um, I'm in a, a building where I think there are a lot of other people in the building. And so I'm really interested in community and it's taken me a while to get there. Um, where I felt like, okay, I'm ready to build community there. So be aware of that. And if you feel blue um, or you feel isolated, you're you're not alone and that's natural. And it really, you know, you can do a variety of things to connect with other people and that's important. And I was talking with my expat consultant, David, um, at Expat Empire, very helpful. And he has a planning spreadsheet um, that's relatively low cost, I believe now. Um, he used to uh, make it specific for you and the country you were going to, which of course there were links and all kinds of things in it. And that, that's what I ended up getting. And it was so helpful to me. And, and really, I think it would be helpful regardless. It doesn't really need to be tailored to the country. It just gives you a complete list of things to think about and work on and tells you why they're important and just gives you some tips. And I just would keep returning to that spreadsheet as I was you know, planning my, um, my departure, kind of that initial departure to go and live for a while in Malta. Um, so, uh, let's see while you're there, talk to people and share who you are. It doesn't matter that, that they're strangers to you, or maybe they're driving you somewhere or, or you meet them on the street or in a cafe or at the store. If they ask you something about yourself, tell them I have had the most fun, interesting, connective interactions with all kinds of people that I may or may not see again. And we were both enriched. I could tell they even said to me, I'm so happy. I picked, you know, let's like, like, let's say it was a driver, a bolt driver, a a bolt in Europe is the same as a a Lyft or an Uber. Um, So we bolt places there. Um, you know, I've heard more than once. I'm so glad I got to drive you today because we had an interesting, connected, personal conversation. And I learned so much about how people are experiencing Malta because of all the people I've talked to, the majority of them are not Maltese because they're working in um, jobs that would typically be um, other foreign people because lots and lots of foreign people live there because of where it's situated. And it also has a system that it's, it's not, um, it's not, how do I say it? It's not easy, but I think it's easier 
than some than maybe some other countries. And they do welcome they do welcome foreign workers. It's it's part of their um, economy. So I've talked to so many people from so many different places and how long have they been in Malta and how long were they meaning to stay and how long did they actually stay? And often I hear, well, I was only going to stay for this long, but you know, I was only going to stay for two years, but I've been here a decade and now I'm, I'm married and I have children and almost always they're married to someone who is not uh, from their same country. So there's this really interesting uh, mix that happens there with people where they might not be planning to stay long, but they do. And then they, they tend to connect with somebody who is, yeah, different culture, different language, different everything and um, make a, make a life there. Okay. Your phone, your phone and your ability to communicate. So I need to be able to work. I need to be able to communicate with the U S and I also need to be able to communicate while I'm in Malta. And I've had the same phone number here in the U S since the nineties. And so I was in no way planning to give that up the amount of research and time that I spent figuring out what to do with my phone. I wasn't, I mean, I guess I wasn't expecting that, but as I got into it, I I could clearly see that I was in no way alone in this endeavor. There were tons of articles and recommendations and, you know, people who wrote really helpful things about it. So I knew that I, I, you know, that this is what everybody goes through to try to figure out how to communicate and do business. And, you know, you don't want to lose your connectivity. You're going to need your people. If you go to another country, you're going to need your, if you're, if whatever country I'll use the U S cause that's where I'm from. If you move from the U S to a foreign country, you're still going to need to be connected to your people in the U S and you're not going to want that to be difficult. You're already going to be in a, a different time zone that will need to be managed, um, et cetera. So here's where I landed. Um, my phone, I'm using a, an Apple phone that's a 12 Pro Max, and it, it does have a place for a physical SIM card. And what I ended up doing is I switched from Verizon, um, partially Verizon's expensive. And also, although they have some international coverage, it's expensive. And it was international coverage that would be far more than I would ever want to pay um, while I'm, you know, during the periods of time where I'm living in Malta. So I did the research on which carriers might be the best choice for me. And I landed on Mint, Mint Mobile. And so I have coverage through Mint Mobile. It is very inexpensive. The price is excellent. They have a good international um calling and data use mechanism. Um, you do put money into it and then you can sort of see what you've used up with the international calls and data use. And of course, turn on Wi-Fi calling. And of course, you're going to want to make sure that you have Wi-Fi. So between the Wi-Fi, the Wi-Fi calling, the Mint Mobile coverage and the Mint Mobile international piece that is built into all the Mint Mobile plans. You don't have to do anything special. You need to understand how it works, but you don't actually have to add anything on or do anything special other than make sure that you have some money in there to cover the international activities that aren't covered when you're on Wi-Fi. That's been great. And they have an eSIM. So I added that um, carrier and did not add a physical SIM. The physical SIM that is in my phone is a Malta SIM. And what that allows me to do is to toggle back and forth 
between my U.S. number and my Malta number, my U.S. data, my Malta data. I can turn off my Malta plan, which is important to do when I'm here in the U.S. because you don't want to inadvertently use your Malta plan um, while you're in another country because that's super expensive and I'll just use up all the it'll use up all my data that I've stored up and I get to carry over. So basically I stumbled upon that through lots of trial and error and research, but an eSIM for your uh, country of origin, if your carrier offers that and a physical SIM from the the other country and having, we call these smartphones for a reason, having a very smartphone, um, I have had very few issues very few issues. So that was one of the things that I spent the most time on. Um, and I'm, I'm shocked actually at how, how it turned out. I mean, I looked at the, the Google, Google phone and, you know, all kinds of things that were pretty complicated, at least to me, they felt complicated. And this has turned out to be um, wonderful. It just allows me when I land uh, to turn back on my Malta plan and my Sims already in there. And the, the amount that I pay is so it's literally under 10 euros a month. Um, global entry, if you are in the US, if you're traveling with a US passport and you're going to come in and out of the US, global entry is worth it. It is worth it in cost. It is worth it in the interview uh, that you have to go through and the background check and the renewal fees and all that stuff. Because when you arrive in the US and everybody is queuing up, and waiting to go through immigration and having to, you know, furnish their passports and all that stuff. You walk up to a kiosk and the, the, um, the biometrics are, are, you don't even pull out your passport. It reads the biometrics. You go to the front of the line, you zip through. Sure. They're going to ask you a few questions, you know, often about whether you're bringing food in and stuff, but there's less because they know you've gone through the rigors of uh, global entry. In Malta, my experience is that getting money, money, cash from the ATMs is expensive, um, no matter how much I withdraw. So even if I, let's say I wanted 40 euros, I would never withdraw that little, but let's say I, I wanted a small amount. I'm going to pay about 25 US dollars in international bank fees, my bank fees, the ATM fee that I'm, or pardon me, the ATM machine fee that I'm using there. It's over $20. It was almost $25 every time I made a withdrawal. So um, yeah, that's a good thing to learn. So I get currency before I go. Um, I order it from the bank and go pick it up from the bank. Certainly you can do it at the airport. One of my learnings though, is that sometimes things don't go as planned at the airport. And you don't get through it as quickly as you think, or you have trouble finding the currency exchange if you're not flying out of a familiar airport. And, you know, I've done that. And I've said to myself, well, that's okay. I'll take care of it when I get there. But then you get there. It's a long trip. Maybe you're having trouble finding the currency exchange when you've gotten there, but you need currency. You need money. And so it's one more thing to do, you know, after being awake for 20 hours or whatever it is. And so, I do try to plan ahead a bit for that. And also to know whether my landlord, you know, often they, they like rent and cash. So things are just different there. And so, you know, thinking about what do I need to pay while I'm there and how much do I really need? And so I bring it in. Um, so, you know, center your experience and whether you have what you need, it's a different life 
it's not a recreation of the life that you're living in the US or in your home country. At least it's not for me because that's not what I want. If that's what I wanted, I think I could just stay here. Uh, it'd be a lot simpler, uh, it'd be a lot simpler uh, to just stay here, but that's not actually what I want. Um, medications can take uh, some ingenuity. So do what you can to stock up on your medications. If you are taking medications, I've eliminated most of mine, thankfully. And then you, you're probably going to want to investigate that early uh, because I did find that there were processes to get what I needed but that they took a bit more time um, and effort. And that some meds that we might be able to get here in the U S are just simply not available. They're not available in a foreign country. So you, you can do that research ahead of time. If you're not able to go with us, a, a kind of a bit of a stockpile of medications or arrive with a good amount of meds and then start to uh, figure out how to get those prescriptions filled in this new country. And lastly, um, just prepare. I know this seems, um, this seems obvious, prepare to adjust to a new time zone and to work different hours, perhaps like sometimes I need to see a client that it's at it's midnight there. Um, but it's regular business hours here in the U S. Um, so, you know, just let go of a, let go of a nine to five idea, perhaps depending on what you're going to be doing um, and just center the experience, center the experience and being in the other place and, and enjoy, enjoy every single thing about it. Even the stuff that's hard, because there's going to be hard stuff. That is the nature of it. Okay. It's been wonderful to connect with you and I will um, speak to you again from my cool little studio apartment with the, um, with the terrace that has a little view of the sea and the countryside in Gozo. Um, and I'll tell you how it is. Okay. Love yourself, free yourself, be yourself and dance your own tango. Thanks for listening to today's episode. We hope we have helped you learn to love yourself unconditionally and accept and celebrate everything that makes you, you. Tune in next Wednesday for another episode. And in the meantime, dance your own tango.